Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you'll get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add Triple T D&D, Taverns Travel and Tests in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Hi friends, this is your DM Cliff. Today's episode is going to be a little different than usual, which is why it's coming out on our off week. Now, you may have seen this on Twitter, at Triple T D&D, but a few weeks ago my hard drive crashed. We had a number of episodes recorded and awaiting mixing, but we lost most of those in the crash. Our session zero and the last three episodes were all that survived, and let's be honest, they were pretty rough. So, this episode four is going to be a sort of clip show, taking choice scenes and intertwining them with a recap of the story so far. I want this to be a much cleaner listening experience, and also a good jumping off point for new listeners to be up to date with the story while still having the previous episodes available for wider context within the world. So with that, there won't be a mid-roll, it's all pre-roll today baby, and I hope you enjoy the episode. I'm your Dungeon Master Cliff B, and we're rolling dice and heading out into the wide world of Castia. I'm joined by Ben, Hazir Mendra, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the taverns, travel, and tests that their characters encounter. Welcome to the world of Castia. It's a wondrous land of stories, secrets, and succulent recipes spurning citizens to salivate and surrender to the delicate, decadent delights, with potential heroes and would-be con people alike seeking out their share of fame, fortune, and a great meal. From the Cologian Peninsula, the Brown Streak Mountains, and the wanderers' wastes of the Zendi Desert, three unlikely heroes came together in the town of Brisket in the kingdom of Dunkey. We first meet Mag. Magus Magron is a uh, 50-year-old, just recently turned 50-year-old mountain dwarf uh, from the high noble town of High Hoganya. Followed by... Serial is a 45-year-old human woman uh, rogue. And finally... Hazir is a half-elf... I forget what we what we decided the exact number was, but he's he's about the human equivalent of, of 25, 26. At the Chopping Block Inn and Tavern, where the three learned that the meat festival the town planned to throw might not be happening. You said the, the festival might not happen? Is there a reason? Uh, so... There's been some back and forth on what's been going on, but all I know right now is that the big metal pits that they used to cook the cook the uh, meats in, they've been going missing. And as for Mag's guards, you came in with that uh, that half orc and the uh, tabaxi, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, you didn't happen to see them, by the way, did you? So the. Uh, they were asking about it because you know, when they came after uh, taking you up to your room, they started having some drinks, and you know they were, Surprise. and they asked about it, and so they decided that you know, uh, right now there's there's a reward out for the return of those uh, of those cooking pits. Uh, they decided they want to try and get the reward. They figured maybe it'll be easy get them by the cover of darkness. I haven't seen them come back in. They learned that there was a druid at the stables who may have more information, but... It's weird, the, uh, the druid over at the, uh, stables, um, he said that it looked like some kind of, some kind of animal that was walking on two legs, but I'm not quite sure. Also, he likes to, uh, he, he likes to partake in some, uh, herbal remedies. So we're not not quite sure about exactly, you know, what he actually saw or what may have been uh, he th- he thought he saw. I see. Uh, wow. Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll have to talk to him later. And then I gesture over at Magus and I say, "Who left their kid alone at the bar?" Despite the misgivings of Titus at the bar, the party decides to talk to the man at the stables to try and get any sort of information they can. Oh, hello, friends. Oh, how may I help you? 
<laughs> hey, well, friend, we, we we understand you've you've uh, you may have some knowledge of who has taken the the cooking pits for the brisket festival. Oh yeah, so I stay at a little uh little druid circle that I made out in the woods, and one night I was heading back over and. I swear it was the weirdest thing. I saw it looked like a cow, but it was walking like like a like a dude. It, was, <laughs> it had these like dude arms and dude legs, but like the body was a cow. The other was just like flopping around, and it was just like dragging the pits from over by the. Uh, over by the different meatsmith guys' houses. I, I don't really eat too much meat. I, I love animals, man. But I saw, I saw, I saw all the, uh, I saw this cow like dragging it, and I'm like, whoa, what are you doing, cow? And it was really far, so it didn't hear me. But it just drug the pit off into the woods, and I followed it a little bit. But then I got tired, so I went to my druid circle. Okay, so to be clear, you saw a cow with human arms and legs dragging this thing off into the woods. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, it just was like, it was like dragging this thing. And yeah, it was, and, and, and like, it, it was so weird. I, like I said, I went in and I was like, well, what are you doing, buddy? And it... But it, it, it didn't hear me. I don't know if it knows common or not, but... Uh, can I... I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, lean into his ear and just kind of whisper, like, I don't think we're going to get anywhere here. <laughs> okay. Uh, whose ear? As, as, uh, uh, oh, no. His <laughs> ear. Yeah, I was gonna say, you don't whisper into the guy. <laughs> you don't whisper that to him. <laughs> no, I, I'm whispering it to uh, to Ben's character. To his okay, character. sorry, I'm gonna get used to your names. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to ask the, the guy. You wouldn't happen to have seen the uh, uh, half orc and uh, uh, it's boxy uh, come through here earlier, did you? Uh, I was trying to trance last night, and I heard some some loud dudes and like one of them kind of had like a tabaxi purr to its voice but they were they drunk? did they, they sound drunk? uh I don't know if they were drunk but they were loud yeah <laughs> that sounds like them you happen to know what uh, direction that noise went off into? um well like I kind of like it was it was definitely a little bit north of my druid camp. I kind of like fly over. If you just like like I I, I wild shape and I fly and I turn into like a little crow. Okay. <laughs> and like my druid circle, like if you look right across the road from the corner of the stables here, that's the entrance to uh, to the woods there. Okay. And but if you if you just keep going, like if you fly over all the trees and stuff. My my circle is like just right west of here, man. So I just fly over. <laughs> I heard him a little north, and uh, when when I heard him, they were yelling. Okay. But they were yelling something weird. But I, then they then they stopped. I figured if they were drunk, they might have passed out. But I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Magus looks somewhere between, like, uh, confused, <laughs> uh, scared, and, uh, grossed out. Um, but he kind of, uh, like... Can I ask him for a little weed? <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna ask yeah. him if he has any, uh, if he has any, uh, pipe weed <laughs> that he's willing to share. Uh, yeah, I've got some, uh, druid focus. Uh, how much you looking for? Uh, just a uh, just a pinch. Seems like it's uh, treating you okay. Oh uh, yeah, man. Just uh, let me. It'll be like a silver. Done. <laughs> uh, uh, Magus kind of leans forward a little bit, and he's like, "Um, actually, uh, 
maybe uh maybe maybe make that uh however much you can give me for a gold and he holds out a gold coin Ooh. all right uh, uh yeah uh, let me let me go let me go bag that up for you bud <laughs> guess it doesn't matter if this festival happens or if we're even here for it i got five on it <laughs> we just, our first action as a party is a fucking drug deal <laughs> what do you mean? Is, are, I'm not buying any fucking weed, man. No, I, you're you're standing there. I'm 15, so <laughs> right. I'm watching a minor buy drugs. Awesome. <laughs> Just a quick note: Triple T does not condone the selling of illicit and intoxicating materials to minors. After the very confusing and haphazard story told by the man at the stables... Alright, so you've gone and talked... You didn't even ask your uh, new dealer his name. No, we didn't! <laughs> no, we did not. I guess we didn't care about him as a person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that feels bad. Probably not too late. Yeah, hey, hey, hey buddy, what's your name anyway? Oh, oh yeah, my, my name's Ganjan Herbalar. <laughs> what are y'all's uh, yeah. names? Of the of the doobie doobie hills. <laughs> now we now we know who to blame for everything that's gonna happen later. The party begins their search in the woods for the grills. After traveling for a short while though, the group makes a grim discovery. And you get to another intersection with a uh, part that goes north and uh, on the ground you see a uh, a large half orc laying on top of a tabaxi. Um, Mag, you instantly recognize. Oh boy, Kathew and Roland. Uh, 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 Mag kind of uh, scatters down by the bodies and tries to shake them. Can I wake them up? They are cold. Oh boy. Uh, Mag stands up and puts his hands over his head uh, and just sort of like pants heavily. They're dead. They're both dead. Are you certain? I'm pretty certain. I go and lift an arm and then drop it. Uh, yep, I think they're dead. Uh, Mag draws his great axe. Oh yeah, I feel like All right, gonna... now. Now is not the time to panic. Uh no. You don't understand. Uh, these these two are supposed to take me across the continent. I'm going to uh can I can I uh have a look over their bodies to see if I can determine what killed them? Uh yeah, go ahead and give me an investigate check or at least cause of death. Uh investigate. <laughs> That's a four. What? Uh, I mean, you you turn them over and check them out, and you can see that like there's like definitely like big wounds in them, like something got in them. You can't. But I. You can't yeah, really tell I, like whether it was like. Whether it was like a sword or like right. not a dagger or anything like that, but you can definitely see like clearly it was loss of blood that uh, was the ultimate cause of death. Just a whole lot of blood. I knew this was a bad idea. I knew we shouldn't have gone. Mm, I don't know. I mean, you got us, right? You're not all by yourself. I wouldn't worry too much about it yet. I barely know you. Fearing that this trip may be more dangerous than initially thought, Mag says the group should turn back. I don't know if we should keep going. Listen, okay, hold on. I, I kneel down. I kneel down and uh, I put my hand on his shoulder and I say, listen, I'm sure that they were an incredible person and cat. And I think we owe it to them to to figure out what happened and, and make it up and avenge them. I think it's what we have to do, okay? So you gotta be, you gotta be brave, okay? Okay, uh, okay. Don't cry about it. 
I can tell I'm you gonna, want to. I'm gonna cry about it. I know. I can tell you look like you were gonna cry a little bit, but now it's not. I, I kind of like brush brush cereals hand off of my shoulder. <laughs> I swirl my wine. I then apologize. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry about it. God. I, 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 that came out wrong. I'm just saying, you know, you gotta be tough, little guy. Let's just keep going. Lad, think of the, think of the women and riches you'll get if you solve this mystery. Yeah, that. I have no shortage of riches. Have you shortage of women? After traveling a bit further into the woods, following footprints left by you all, you all see, you don't miss it. Um, two creatures. They are standing upright. They have the head and bodies of cows. I <laughs> word the stoner was right. Legs like humans, arms like humans, and in one hand they carry long blades with serration, and in their other hand they carry what looks like a javelin, but at the end of it, instead of just one point, there are two longer metal points on it. Wait a minute. Hold on. So the cows on people legs are on their hind legs, standing like people, mm -hmm. and they're holding weapons in their hands. Yeah. Uh, have, uh, have you seen Kung Pao? Uh, yeah, really long time ago, but yep. The, uh, basically, it's uh, like it's like in in Kung Pao where the uh, the cows are stand the cows standing up and doing martial arts moves. These are oh, no. cows that stand upright uh, with humanoid arms and legs, and oh they are God. they are carrying weapons. They they are not wearing any kind of armor that you're able to see on them, but uh, they are they are. Uh, armed in their arms. <laughs> um, I uh, look at the rest of the party and I say, guys, I whisper, whatever you do, don't say anything about smoked meat. <laughs> I, I kind of just uh, shoot cereal uh, uh, sideways like, are you serious, Glance? And uh, I, uh, I, I rise up to, uh, to meet these cattle. So you're just running up to them, or are you like... I'm just rising. I want them to know that I'm here. I'm inching into the woods where they might not see me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hajir, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I, I guess I'm looking with the same awe. I've never seen a, a creatures like this before. Uh, are uh, you like trying to stealth along with Sariel, or are you... Uh... Oh, yeah, I'm stealthing. All right. Um, I am not. Magus is not happy. Okay. What kind of what kind of barbecue nightmare is this? <laughs> Guy Fieri's fever dream. Seriously, this seems like something you would like have a nightmare about after like a really big Fourth of July party. <laughs> after a short bloody battle, these unlikely friends stand victorious over these bovatar, lying on the forest floor, ground beef. Yay! Yay! Ground beef. Stupid cows. Fuck you. Oh, thanks, magic missile. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need a drawing of these cow creatures, Ben. I will pay you whatever you want. <laughs> Shit, I'll fucking try, dude. <laughs> just like, I want to... I picture him with, like, googly eyes looking in different directions with just, like, giant wielded, like, knife and fork. <laughs> I turn to uh, Hajir and I, I say, I, I try like to do a little quip. I'm like, hey, better take these guys off the grill because I think they're, you know, ready to ready to eat. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I on the shoulder and I say, yes, they sure are, bud. <laughs> Magus doesn't know how to quip. That's <laughs> 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 so good. <laughs> well, uh, well, that takes care of that. Yeah, I, uh, God, I, <laughs> I am just looking them over 
and uh, looking to see if they maybe uh, are, had anything else with them or carrying anything else with them. Can I just, like, basically investigate the bodies? Searching the bodies only recovered the weapons the Bovatar carried and the arrow Serial shot at them, but nearby, just off the trail, they were able to find the drag marks from the grills the Bovatar had been stealing. Mag was still feeling pretty apprehensive about the travel ahead after the ease in which the group handled the Bovatar. I feel as though Roland and Kathy wouldn't just fall to these two. Well, so I, 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 yeah. I, I would suggest maybe a little caution. I mean, that seems appropriate. I mean, we just basically blew holes in them like nothing. We just went through them like butter. I, I can tell you that... My grandmother paid a decent amount for the two of them to guard me. We're, we were traveling, we're, we're, you see, all the way to the uh, Isles of Karen. Um, so they wouldn't just be anybody that my grandmother would trust. They were they were pretty strong. Um, I don't think these two killed them. I think you're probably right. And I think we should probably be very careful. As long as we can determine before we encounter them what what might have killed your men, we should be okay. While attempting to travel silently along the path, following the drag marks, the party notice a small abandoned hunting lodge down a trail to the west. Taking a moment, they sneak up to the lodge and investigate and proceed to enter. Molded rations and rusted tools greet them inside, but upon further inspection, uh, you feel your feet drop from under you. Uh, oh, the, the sound of uh, boards breaking. Uh, you drop down uh, about 10 feet. You land on uh, some hay. <sighs> it's definitely not the freshest, but it does pad your landing enough that you don't take damage from it. Okay. Down in this little uh, basement, get your bearings. You're looking around. Serial and Hajir, you see like dust fly and hear the cracking of boards as all of a sudden Magus drops down into the ground of the cabin. Uh, Magus, you're looking around and you see a, uh, a small chest that has this strange crest on it. It's a shield. Okay. And the shield has like the face of a dragon facing forward on it. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to uh, call up to the other two. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, I... Uh, I figured you probably would be. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to check on you or anything. Um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sketching the little shield with the dragon. <laughs> he kind of looks like Pete from Pete's Dragon, so he's, like, super not intimidating. Um, so... Uh, down there. I'm hopping down there with you. <laughs> Mag is, uh, Mag is uh, up looking at the chest, just kind of, like, yeah. examining it a bit. Uh, is, yeah. there a, is there a lock on it at all? Uh, no, it just, uh, it looks like where a lock would go is that uh, symbol that you saw on there. It's not very big. It's like dimensions are probably uh, the same as like a 16-inch laptop square size dimension. Uh, okay. It's maybe about, not even like a foot tall, it's maybe like you know, eight inches tall. And it's a small, small. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to try and open the damn thing. All right. You uh, flip the lid open, and inside of this chest, it should, you know, theoretically be dusty, but you know, they, they look pristine. Uh, there's a, a signet ring, which on the signet ring, it has that same crest with the shield and the dragon face. Okay. Uh, there's a bracelet. On the, on the bracelet, it's got like a... Uh, it's got like a gemstone, and it has that in that gemstone. It has a crest uh, as well, okay. and as well as an amulet, and oh. that amulet also has the crest on it. Huh. What do you I, think I go, that is? I go to turn around, and uh, I'm startled immediately because Sariel is right there, and I didn't <laughs> expect her, her to be there. Hi. <laughs> oh. You all right, He's, buddy? Please don't do that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I, I found this chest with these pieces of jewelry in them. 
Do you yeah, recognize what the heck is that? Do you recognize this symbol at all? The this dragon, the little crest? Actually, you know, uh, would I recognize it? It's not anything that you've really seen before, no. Okay. So like, okay. No, I don't. I have no. Idea. I don't know what that is. This is uh, very nice stuff for a place like this. Yeah. What the heck do you think it's doing down here? Sariel puts on the ring. Hajir takes the amulet, and Mag takes the bracelet. As they place the items upon themselves, a warm, pleasant feeling washes over them, but there's no sign just yet what that could possibly mean. They climb out of the wine cellar and get back onto the path searching for the grills. Soon after, they come to a split in the trail and choose the much steeper path, one that Sarayal finds great difficulty in navigating. After climbing that hill, they head north after hearing a slight mooing sound. They then come upon the camp of the Bovatar, where they find. Over at the back side of the camp, uh, you can see about six or seven big, like, metal pits are back there. Basically, like, metal barrel drum grills are what you see that are closed up. Whoa. And there, there's a bunch back there. You see that there is uh, one of these bovatars that's like hitting one with a hammer trying to like reshape it and there's another one in the center of the village uh well village it's more of a camp and he, it looks like he's wearing one around but it's been like bent and contorted so that it looks like you know uh, almost like a makeshift full plate like a what like a makeshift full plate armor oh i gotcha Oh, and shoot. Wow, okay. You see him ordering around a couple other of these uh, Bovatars. He's, you know, <laughs> and uh, from behind you, uh, you do see one of the, you do hear, uh, <laughs> And there is one of these scouts behind you. At first, the party seems to have the advantage with the magic in the bracelet Mag found, giving him the extra edge to kill the scout who snuck behind them. But that quickly changed when Hajir made a large tactical error. I'm going to use 20 of my 30 movement speed to get in melee range of him and use Shocking Grasp as a cantrip. Um, awesome. What's that um, do? That gives me advantage on an attack roll on any enemy wearing metal armor. Ooh, oh, nice. Clever boy. Excellent. And I'm going to I'm going to roll to attack with advantage. Uh, that is 17 plus my modifier, which is <laughs> which is a plus six. So that's 23. Ooh. Ooh. Does it hit? Um, yeah, that hits. <laughs> okay. Um, target takes 1d8 lightning damage and cannot take reactions until the start of its next turn. So let me roll. That is an 8 on a d8. What is going on over there? Oh, so man. I'm going to deal 8 damage to him. All right, and do I get a saving throw on that, or does it just for the uh, other part? Uh, no, it just hits, and uh, uh, you can't t uh, that that target can't take any reaction until the start of its next turn. So I'm going to take the opportunity to uh, use bonus action and disengage as well. The one that was roaming around, uh, he is going to. Uh, come up to you as well because you are the closest opponent and he, he is going to try and make a slash attack with the uh, serrated sword does a 19 hit you it sure does <laughs> oh and he just did his max 9 damage to you I'm down oh, <laughs> oh shit no. I'm down. I have eight HP. No. 
<laughs> That's alright. You guys got this. As the tides turn, Sariel and Mag decide to try and make a run at grabbing Hajir and getting out of the fight. And to assist them in this, Sariel has a plan. Um, okay, so I have a bag of a thousand ball bearings. I'm not sure how many I need to throw. Uh, maybe all of them. I don't know. It's a, but the idea is to cover 10 square feet, so. Yeah, we'll, oh. if did, like, if it were like 100 per square foot, that'd be thousand. Uh, let me. Yeah, there's got to be a rule on that, right? Yep, I'm looking that up now. Uh, I'm assuming that the bag of a thousand is really actually what you need to cover the ten feet. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because it's, <sighs> it's like ten square feet, so... Okay. Well... Um, yeah, okay, so I want to throw these all in between them and us. So, right. boom. I'm blowing, blowing them away from my inventory. Yeah, um, be definitely... Uh, able to do that, um, and then you'd be able to start using your movement. Uh, using them is an action. Uh, you wouldn't be able to do the uh, dash action, but you would be able to uh, get some space between y'all. Okay. Can I drag uh, Hajir as I do this, my normal uh, movement? Yeah, I would like you to use your bonus action to grab Hajir and uh, get out of there. Okay. And I rolled for all of them. They all fail, and one got a natural one. Which... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dickheads. So, yeah. So, and that's including the leader going into the next round. So, uh, you also would be able to uh, motor out of their magus. Um. That is perfect. Is there any reason we should stick around and shoot them now that they're on the ground, or should we just run away? This is mostly to <laughs> you two. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? The thing is, they're all downed right now. So yeah. I assume we get, like, uh, bonus damage on attacks for prone enemies. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about it here. Prone, uh, I, get, prone, I believe prone gets you advantage on the attack roll. Okay. Uh, you do have two of the guys that are very low and likely uh, would go down with just uh, one hit. Yeah. I mean, I have throwing javelins. I could uh, I could uh, toss one there if we need to. Yeah, the important thing I'm wondering is, is our distance sufficient that they cannot catch up to us in one turn and attack us? <laughs> Like, are we 30 feet away, 50 feet well, away? To get up from prone, uh, they would need to move it at half movement. Mm -hmm. at half, they would lose half of their movement. And then to not have to make that dex check again, they would have to move at half speed, which would effectively be quarter speed. So you would have okay. a lot of opportunity to still, like, attack and move and still put a good amount of distance between you. That might be the ticket. Maybe we should maybe we should just throw a bunch of shit at him while we have a chance. Fine. With yeah. Me. I have I have I have do four it. javelins here, so I have two daggers and I have a short bow. So if I for some reason couldn't use my short bow, I have daggers. So okay. This was the final swing of the battle as the party defended Tajir's body and unleashed a barrage of projectiles, defeating the Bovatar. Inside one of the tents, they found a slimy green substance, a healing salve that was able to recover Hajir. With the threat defeated, they took a quick look around the camp. Alright, so you're back up, you're hurting, but at least you're not making death saves. So, you've got some time now and are able to look around and take in your surroundings. You see six tents, you don't find much inside of them. A couple more of those swords that had knife-like serrations, a couple more of the forks as well. Mag, you're able to recover the javelins that you threw with the Bovatar from afar. Excellent. And everyone, go ahead and give me a general perception check about the area. Salute. General perception check. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That's a critical fail. 
perception score. Uh, that is ten. Oof. Uh, <laughs> I managed to get a two. <laughs> oh, my dense, dense awesome. babies. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, you don't really notice much more going on. The forest is th- pretty thick. You don't hear any kind of noises or anything. This area is pretty clear. Oh. A good spot to make a camp. Well covered around the outskirts. There's a path that leads down a slight slope and out of the encampment. Heading down that path a bit to get a bearing on where you are, you can see the fork in the path that had the steep hill you'd chosen to climb. Likely you'd taken the tactically advantageous path to have the high ground and not be bottlenecked. But now now you know about where you are and are able to make your way out of the forest, having a lay of the land and not having to push your way through the thick of the forest. Gotcha. Well, I mean, like, do we, we, do we, we didn't find the grills really, did we? Uh, yeah, you did. You saw they were piled up near the back of the camp. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. recall that you saw one of them trying to hammer another one into more armor for the Bovatar. Okay. Well, this is, this is good. This is good news. I guess the plan is to go back and tell everyone where the grills are and not have to haul them back ourselves, right? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. I I kind of like turn over to Hajir, who's just uh, kind of like waking up, and I'm like, I think these I think these cows were trying to uh, make armor. I, I think maybe they were trying to lay siege to the city. Hmm. Well, how do you suggest we we take these grills away from here? They're 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 not an insignificant weight. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, I suggest that we maybe don't, and uh, it seems like uh, work. But uh, you know, the uh, the townspeople would probably be better suited to, since you know it's their grills. Yeah, this is uh, the work for someone that's not me. Yeah. Did we did we get them all? I mean, we I think we found them all. Maybe. I mean, did we did we get all of the cow people? The- I don't. I sure, boy. I hope so, or else the people uh, come up for these grills are going to be in bad shape. I think we got everyone in this area, but I think that might be a problem for the the townspeople. Yeah, you know, they got the, they got guards and stuff, right? I mean, it's not like <laughs> these things killed uh, your two guards or anything. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, sorry, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's all right. I didn't really know them for that long. Right. Hey, you didn't really like that guys that much. Them guys They're <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, my grandmother hired them, so. Right. They don't get a lot of grief out of the way that you kind of, I think it's quite <laughs> fine. No, they were both a, a bit smelly for my taste. <laughs> they were fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. We should not feel bad about them. They sucked. What, <laughs> what if... Uh, okay, how far about how far is it back to town? Would we be able to feasibly get folks up here to help with these, uh, these big grills? Uh, yeah, you probably took with your little side excursion to the hunting lodge and everything, not knowing where you're going, about three hours. But now that you know where you're going and how to direct yourselves, it maybe would take two hours to get back to town, so you're probably showing up closer to mid-afternoon, maybe three or four o'clock. Okay, okay. well, why don't we why don't we uh, run back and tell them we found their, their shit, their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think you should tell him. I think you have a lot of like kind of a way with words. You should be the one to tell him. Well, make, it sound, make it sound exciting that they have to drag their own grills back. <laughs> well, we would be helping, of course. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mag kind of like raises an eyebrow at that. We would be helping. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, let's let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's head back to town. The gang heads back to town and gather Micah, a human man in his late twenties, from Micah's Meats, and Sarek, 
a dwarf in his early hundreds, about the equivalent of early thirties, from Sarek's smokehouse, and inform them about locating the grills. So you step into Micah's Meats, and a very nice, pleasant smell hits your nostrils, very much like when you walk into a steakhouse. You get hit by the smell of seared meats and other various accoutrements with it. And as you take that in, you realize it's been about a half a day since you had breakfast, and you're feeling a bit hungry. Behind the counter, you see a human woman, and she greets you. Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. Welcome to Micah's Meats. Will you be dining here, or would you like your order to go? Uh, actually, we come with fantastic news. We found the missing grills. Uh, that, that will be needed for the festival. Uh, you see her face light up as she says, well, Oh, let me go grab Micah. She runs to the back of the restaurant, and a moment later, from the kitchen area, you see a larger, thick human male coming out. He's got a bit of heft to him, but he's about 6'4", 6'5", so just a very big man. He walks up to you and says, You three there, are you the ones who said you had located our grills? Yes, they, they were taken by a, a band of bovatars that we, we uh, were able to deal with. Uh, <laughs> and you're welcome, by the way. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, these the things are are far too heavy. Uh, the grills, not the bovatars, uh, to bring back uh, on our own. Uh, we were hoping to spread the word and and get the village to lug these things back. Uh, the grills again, not the bovatars. Oh, I don't believe I've heard of these bovatars before, but nonetheless, I appreciate you taking care of them. Let me instruct my sister to begin letting the others know. I believe the stables may have some flat wagons that we can use and hitch them to horses for loading and transporting the grills back. Tell me, where did the grills end up? Oh, they're uh, about two, uh, two hours north from here. If you uh, follow the path, uh, was uh, 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 where, you guys know where that cliff is? It's about... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, you know, about... Well, I'd say it's about two hours north. It's about two hours north and, you know, a little, what, 15-foot cliff or so that's up that way? Well, well we, will, we will show you. Is that near the abandoned castle? Oh, sure. <laughs> Wait, is it? <laughs> uh, it's an abandoned castle? Actually, we don't know. Is there an abandoned castle up there? You would know if you hadn't failed your perception check. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh. Well, we could show you the path there. Yes, that would be fantastic. I suppose that would mean I'd have to go talk to Sarek, but yes, let me go grab him, and we can meet you down at the stables. Wonderful. So he walks out with you, and he yells back in to his sister, Gather people to meet at the stables to help load the grills onto the flat wagons. And then goes back into the building across the street, and after a moment... A rather young-looking dwarf, though not quite as young as Mag, emerges with Micah. Now, as opposed to Mag's whiskers growing in, this dwarf has a very full but stylishly short-trimmed beard compared to how most dwarves let their beards grow out, hmm. which seems weird as generally beard length has been a point of pride for most dwarves you've encountered <laughs> in the world. Uh, he looks to be about a hundred, not quite there yet, but close, so about the dwarven equivalent of early thirties. Oh, he says, are you the three folks that found our grills? Uh, yeah, they were being held by some bovine minotaur cow thing. Like, you know, sort of human-armed, cow-hooved, cow-nippled people cows. <laughs> I forget how I thought of it last time, but basically <laughs> like that. I'm sure they'd be delicious on those grills if they weren't so, uh... Sapient. <laughs> you know, it really does bother me a lot, but we're not going to think about that right now. Don't worry, we tenderize them nice and good for you, though. Well, we definitely appreciate you locating our grills, though not disparaging anyone's intelligence. It's clear that having a dwarf on the team is a lucky charm. And he gives you a big thumbs up, Mag. Yeah, well, Mag kind of, like, smiles and, like, shakes his head a little bit, like, you know. Yeah, Meg's kind of like used to being praised. This is like the first time it's really happened since he left. <laughs> uh huh. The party heads down to the stables and hitch a ride on the wagons, pointing the way for Sarek and Micah to reclaim their grills. They pass by the bodies of Meg's guard and decide to pick them up on the way back. The group takes a look around again at the Bovatar camp as they help to load up the grills. Yeah, with being on horses heading there this time, 
It only takes about an hour to get there. Everyone hops off the wagons and begins loading them up. Uh, the way they are able to stack them, it only took two wagons, so you'll all be able to ride that last wagon back down to town. Oh, good. Oh, convenient. There was a reward in all this, wasn't there? Yeah, there's <laughs> 30 gold, I believe. That's pretty good. Yep. But you know, now that we're out here again, and they've loaded that up again, can we roll for perception again to see... <laughs> <laughs> sure, go ahead. Uh, since you know something's out here this time, go ahead and roll with advantage. All right. All right, now oh, 20. Bad uh, start, uh, four, and then 18. That's still a 10 for me. <laughs> I, I managed a nat 20 this time. Good. Ooh. Nice. So, yeah, just the way the light is hitting this time, you can actually see it. Uh, up on a cliff about 50 feet up, you see a castle. It, it, the castle itself looks pretty big, uh, looking at the way the cliff goes up. You're not sure if you could climb it, and there doesn't seem to be much ground to grab onto if you could. The castle's almost flush with the cliff face. That castle! I, I, <laughs> I wasn't sure which one you meant. We see so many castles. You know, now that I'm looking at it, I guess that's what he was talking about. Did he say abandoned castle? Uh, yes, this castle, uh, none of us have ever really been in it. Uh, it's been here as long as we've been hunting in these woods for smaller game. People have come up here exploring, and it's like this on every side. It seems the castle was built long ago, and time has worn away whatever land was around it to be able to just walk up and enter it. Oh, so there's like no way in. Yeah, we've uh, not been able to find a way in whenever we've tried to, like, use ropes to try and throw up onto the building. On the rare times we've even been able to get the ropes to catch, the stone just ends up crumbling back down. Hmm. Hmm. So it seems like a place we're never going to get to go to, right? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or? Or? <laughs> Unless... <laughs> it's uh Meg's kind of like uh half half interested in this. He's sort of like, oh, I see. Hmm. Oh, big empty abandoned spooky castle kind of seems like a cool you know thing to check out. Who knows? It might be uh might be stuff in there, valuable mm -hmm. stuff, information, mm -hmm. documents. Hmm. Okay. You don't you don't care about any of those things. No, it's all very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it's a spooky old castle, and normally kids are into that kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's just doesn't seem heard? very exciting, <laughs> that's all. You never heard of urban exploration, kid? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what's that? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Mm. I just think it'd be interesting, and if we get a chance to go and look at that castle, I'm taking it. Huh. All right. Take the challenge of getting into that castle. Right. See, there, he gets it. Hmm. Well, I'd like the challenge of uh, trying to get through some of this uh, smoked meat that I keep hearing so much about. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, with that quip, Sarek turns around and says, if you're interested in smoked meat, I'm the man to talk about that. I make the best smoked beef and pork in the region. And Micah kind of scoffs at that and says, Yeah, if, your meat, if you like your meat to taste burnt and not juicy and succulent. And the rest of the ride back, the two are just arguing over how the other doesn't know what they're doing and has no business working with meat. Once the group arrives back, Sarek and Micah each gather 15 gold and give the group their reward. In addition, both Sarek and Micah offer to feed the group, which they take Sarek up on first. Sarek walks you in and shows you to his best table, which is the uh, table with the least amount of dagger stabs into it. <laughs> and as you walk into Sarek's smokehouse, you get the waft of hickory-smoked woods, even the scent of maple syrup lightly over top of it, and just that smoked wood smell mixed with the smell of the meat itself is amazing. Oh. He sits you down and says, uh, we will bring out the house best for you, and heads to the back. There's a young elven woman who comes up and asks, 
what kind of drinks will we be having tonight? Ales, wines, what can I get for you to drink? Yeah, I'm thinking of a big plate of whatever kind of meat and a tall red wine. Uh, I'll have whatever your uh, your your finest summer red is, please. She nods and uh, <laughs> she nods and. Uh, oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. I don't. I don't. I was gonna say I don't suppose you'd be on the menu, would you, young lady? <laughs> now yeah, we, just, uh, we, we just came back from a. Long day of adventuring, saving the festival. <laughs> Not to brag or anything, but I think we kind of crushed it. She looks you up and down and kind of cocks her head to the side a bit. And she says, well, you have to have your meal before you can have dessert, sir. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really blushing. Very well. <laughs> Very well. Uh, then I'll, uh, I'll, have, uh, I'll have whatever Cirque's uh, specialty is. All right, well, she goes away for a couple minutes, uh, then comes back with three decently-sized wine glasses, some are red for the dwarf, Thank the you. fine red for the fine human woman, and this one for you, Hajir, is almost a deep purple, and she says, this one comes from Sarek's hometown. This comes from the rarest grapes grown there. They make enough to produce ten bottles a year, uh-huh. and this vintage is from the year of Sarek's birth. Ooh. My goodness. Wow. You know, I'm wondering, can I see the kitchen from here? Uh, yeah, you can kind of see they have those ranch-style swing doors that lead in and out. Uh, yeah. You can see a light smoke coming from the kitchen. Not like an on-fire smoke, but like... This is a smokehouse, and so you right. expect okay. to see the smoke. Like, uh, do I have any idea? There. Do I do I know how many people are there or anything like that? Can I get any sense of that? As you're watching, you can see that there's a good number of people there. Uh, it's not a big town, but it's pretty packed, especially uh, with the festival coming up. Uh, you can see there's probably about just looking through the doorway the kitchen uh, about five or six different people that you've seen just working the kitchen and about three or four servers coming out with plates and trays Serial, having somewhat of a scheme somewhat of a genuine existential crisis gets up from the table and heads towards the kitchen i want to stand up uh, and i want to walk right into uh, the kitchen uh, meg meg pours the entire goblet of wine down his throat and uh, tries to politely ask for another with meat in his mouth. <laughs> it, it is a bit more filling than most of what I'm used to, but it is incredibly tasty. If this is what we can expect from the festival, then I am very glad I came by this little town. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm walking into the kitchen. Uh, yeah, you go into the kitchen. Uh, the first thing you see, there's a half-orc manning one of the stations. They look over at you and say, Oh, hey, you can't be back here. And then Sarek looks over, see what's going on. And he says, No, 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 she's she's absolutely fine. And he waves you over and says to you, oh, I, I can't thank you enough and you and your friends for what you've done. Well, it's our pleasure. I mean, honestly, you know, we were, if we came here for the festival, and we you couldn't enjoy the festival unless it actually happens. And then, by the way, while I'm having this conversation with him, mm-hmm. can I do a perception check to look around and see if I can detect any recipe books or anything? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and give me for a... For an investigation, what's more like it? I think since you're working to try and make it seem like your focus is on Sarek, uh, it would probably be a perception, which yeah. I know is your strong suit. All right, fair enough. All right. Uh, no, that's a seven. That's all right. That's not very good. I'm trying to find a book called To Serve Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he notices you taking a look around, and he's like, uh, I-, I can understand this being a lot to take in here. Uh, this doesn't look like the kind of place where. Uh, this good of food would come out of. 
When I moved here, we came with next to nothing, so I didn't have the means to buy the type of place that Micah has across the street or the equipment that he has. They've got such newer equipment. But here, we use what's old and thought of as not useful anymore, and we rework it into different ways to get the most out of it. So I can understand your wandering eyes scanning the room. No, I... I don't want you to think I'm judging your place. I'm just very interested in, in, in just what sort of operation is behind the scenes here after all. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I came here for the festival and I just kind of want to learn what I can. And then, you know, this is all brand new to me. Uh, and God, I really wish I had found something. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, he says to you, oh, well, would you like to see how we prepare things? I mean, I can't give you all the ingredients, but with the return of the grills, we do need to prepare a lot more meat for the festival. I would I would love to help, even though inside I'm a little bit freaked out about this whole thing right now. <laughs> well, he, uh, he takes you back and says, Well, first we start in our chilled room, and you can see a couple different cuts of meat hanging from hooks attached to the ceiling. Uh, there are various meats and such that are being housed on the shelves in those brown paper wrappings. When we first buy the meat, we check the quality that we get from the butcher in town, Gark, a fine fellow who is very familiar with cuts of meat. Any animal he gets, he makes sure he's able to find any use for it so it doesn't get killed just for one single cut of meat and then nothing more. Okay, this is a long shot. Can I point at just like anything and be like, and what's that? And then when he's looking away, try another perception <laughs> to try and <laughs> investigate if I can see a recipe book anywhere. Uh, yeah, go ahead and give me a deception check first. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a really good stat for me. That's a plus seven. That makes it a twenty-five. You went to the fucking Bugs Bunny School of Adventuring, I see. <laughs> I did, apparently. Uh, yeah, he starts explaining how he sets up his chill room, uh, where the pork and the beef and the poultry go. He goes on talking about the different sections in there, all that different stuff just to, you know, fill in time as you nod along. Uh, go ahead and give me mm -hmm. another perception check to look for a recipe book with advantage. Oh, fuck yeah. All right. So that's a 14 and then a 13. That's a little better. I'll take a 14. Shit. So you're looking around standing in the doorway. It is not a big uh, freezer cooler room. Uh, he ends up, you know, finishing pointing stuff out to you. You're waiting for the perfect opportunity and you get it. He exits the room in front of you. So... Uh, you got that opportunity with his back to you. Okay. Uh, one thing you notice, there's no real sign of books or parchment back here. There are different jars with writing for seasonings and such, but there's no recipe book. This has to be one of those types of cooks who he's been tweaking his recipe in his head for a long time, and he teaches more by doing. Uh, definitely one who, in his restaurant, will take the lead, like showing this is how I want the rub put on, this is how I want this marinade done, this is how I want this meat cured. But he does the mixings of seasonings and marinades and such uh, in private. So there's not really any kind of recipe book for you to find back here. Okay, so this is not written down probably, if not here, if anywhere. Right. Ah, all right. <laughs> okay. I had a I had a plan. I still kind of have a plan. Uh, tough luck, old boy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, shoot. Okay. In the interest of uh, not occupying the whole night with this, I thank him a lot for him showing me all of this, and I make my way politely back to the dining room. <sighs> <laughs> you are you are very convinced that this guy is some kind of Hannibal Lecter type. No, no, that's not it. That's actually not it. Serial is he wants absolutely going to steal the recipe and sell it. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I even, I even had a better plan, which I'll just tell you since it failed, was that I wanted to get the recipe and then convince him that the guy across the street stole his recipe and read it to him word for word to start a feud. <laughs> My God. As Mag and Hajir finish their meals, 
The party begin to decide the evening's plans with the knowledge that they've helped to save the festival and prepare for what's to come in the next few days in the town of Brisket. Uh, Mag, when he gets back up to his room, uh, he's going to like settle in and uh, he's going to start to pen a letter to his grandmother. Um, and it's going to it's going to read something like, uh, dearest grandmother, uh, we arrived uh, last eve at the town of Brisket and we've decided to stay for the festival uh, at a as a pit stop uh, on our way to uh, uh, the the Isles of Karen. Um, I, I'll let you know when we get back on the road again. Uh, Roland and Kathy have been taking excellent care of me. <laughs> All righty. Now, are you preparing to have that be sent the next day? Or uh, yes. All right. Cool. You're just like out of character. I really like that you wrote that letter. Oh, thank you. I really like that because it tells me something about like that. I like as a player that you really would rather her think everything is fine and go on <laughs> and be your own adventurer now. That's how I interpret that. That's cool. Yeah. I guess Hajir is gonna have his little rendezvous and be back in. Uh, <laughs> Be back in uh, several hours yeah. to uh, yeah. <laughs> several <laughs> hours. Good God, man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Azir gets it on. Azir sting. That guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people don't know that about Azir, but he totally fucks. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Azir. Yeah. Go ahead and give me a constitution save. <laughs> Wait, what? I know, dude. You might have caught the clap. A <laughs> constitution save. Okay. Uh, let's see. That's a total of 19. Ooh, you did not get the clap. Yep, you are good. <laughs> uh, you have yourself a wonderful evening of performance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, in fact, actually, don't you want to make him roll a performance check and see how he did? <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just hypothetically, Ben, how was it? Or a performance check? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's an eleven. So you know, yeah, yeah it's all right. Better it's, not. Better no. not. <laughs> uh, I just had to know. after everything's over, uh, she looks pleased. Uh, she does look at you though and say, "Oh, that was fun." Well, I, I do hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in town. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally say you too. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I'll. I. Uh, I'll, I'll thank her, take my leave, get back to the inn, and immediately fall asleep. <laughs> All right, uh, Serial. Anything that you're doing before you fall into a bed and sleep the night away? Eh, uh, not much. I'll I do want to kind of listen in the hallway, see if there's any kind of anything I can overhear down here. Like I, I, I deliberately wanted to be in the like the sort of common rooms or more average rooms, just to see if I might catch a little bit of uh, some overheard as far as like something from you know other people who might be in town or whatever. I mean, how thin are the walls here? Is my question. Well, uh, go ahead and give me a perception check. I know it's your favorite thing. That has not been going well. That's an eight. <laughs> Continuing the trend. Ah! One <laughs> thing to succeed, please. So you're sitting uh, by the anyway. door and the hallway, <laughs> and you know you're not hearing a whole lot. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of hours as you've been just kind of sitting and listening. Uh, just as you're about to give up, though, uh, you do over here uh, finally uh, there's a couple people walking down the hallway 
And you hear one say, uh, Do you think Baron Moonshade is gonna come? Uh, the other says, He always shows up to these kind of festivals. It's what he does. And the first sounds worried and says, uh, Yeah, but this time I don't know. He showed up to the Hamhawk Festival and, well, you saw what happened to the town after that. Listen, I don't know if he's gonna show up. But if he does, we just gotta make sure that we impress him. And the voices uh, start to die down as they walk mm-hmm. further down the hallway after. Alright, I uh, pull out a pen and I. or a pencil or something, and I write down. Baron Milkshake. That wraps up this episode of Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Be sure to join us next time when we start the next chapter in our hero's journey. You can check out the boys on the 3 Dude Cast at 3 Dude Cast on Twitter, and you can reach out to us about the show on Twitter here at Triple T D&D. If you want to help support the show, tell your friends, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash triple T D&D, leave us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice, and tweet about the show using hashtag Triple T D&D. Also, check out all the other great podcasts on the Project Derail Podcast Network. Visit projectderailed.com for more information and links to all those awesome podcasts. We'll see you next time on Triple T. Projectderailed.com